welcome to this week's extended episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys give you an overview of the home buying process. Welcome back, guys, to another real, uh, episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. We are coming to you live from our new kind of secret hangout clubhouse. Undisclosed location. Can't it's very, you. very undisclosed, but very Secret. cool. Yeah, I mean, very this place cool. is crazy cool. I wish you could see the rest of it. Maybe we'll give you a video tour down the road, but uh, pretty cool spot. As you can tell, there's a, quite a few bottles of bourbon behind us. So sort of on brand. Very, very on brand. But uh, guys, we just want to tell you how much we appreciate all the, the love and support we've received. It's been amazing how fast this has taken off and how many people from across uh, the country that has even reached out to us to tell us that mm -hmm. they're checking it out. And uh, today's topic is been highly requested. Uh, would you Would you agree, guys? Yeah, I think it's you know real estate's complicated. Being a buyer is complicated, whether you've done it one times or five times, and things are always changing. Regulations are changing, so that would be a cool topic to go into, especially based on what we've talked about over the last couple episodes. And it's the meats and bones, right? Yep, it's the real estate topic, agency, real estate. We still have the players, but what what is real estate? Yeah, we're the here process, to find the, process of. the pieces on the chessboard. Yep. And, and hopefully give you guys some insight as to how yep. the process works. And and it's it's awesome because it kind of lines up with kind of how our team operates. So we've put together a, a, a process over the course of the years that we find makes the uh, the ability to buy a house seem less stressful. Mm -hmm. Yep. It, it answers all the questions ahead of time. And we cannot wait to dive into it. Yeah, so it's before, transparency, right? The, the education of the consumer. Yeah. Yep. And it's crazy because we, we get calls from people who were, you know, I, I bought my fourth house and I wish someone would just slow it down and explain to it because I forget what it takes. Oh, yeah. Because it is a nightmare sometimes. It can be if you don't have the right plan. Yep, so absolutely. Um, before we get into that, though, I'd like to first, number one, like if you still like what you're listening to and you really enjoy what we're saying, please like and review us on whatever platform you're listening to. Yep. We're available on basically everything, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, uh, YouTube, Google. If you hate what you're listening to, also tell us. Let just us just don't review us. Just yeah, tell just us. don't review us. You can give us zero stars. Don't, <laughs> just tell us, okay? Maybe a text message. You, we give our phone numbers out at the end of every episode, so you guys can contact us. But yeah, we'd love to hear it. And uh, and a little, little update on the uh, bourbon review stuff. So we've gotten a lot of questions around, like, hey, how do I keep a track of what's going on? So we're in the process of coming up with a cool little board, mm -hmm. which which you can actually see behind us at all times what bourbon rates and where. A la Top Gear. If you guys have been familiar yeah. with that show and the Stig, we're gonna we're gonna rate him the every Stig. single. We're gonna uh, put Oscar in a helmet. And he gets to like just try. There's to actually mm. right behind him. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. I think that that gold one would be <laughs> that perfect, copper dude. Well, how, the color ones. The other me. one looks like an assassin, but I'll take the black. One. <laughs> but how do you drink the bourbon through the helmet? You just you straw. Know, yeah. I don't care. I'll, it's I'll, a, I'll, it's I'll make the, it work. Yeah, a bourbon Oscar, bong. Not Oscar will make a old-fashioned anything yeah. and, and drink anything out of a straw. Give me a straw. I'm done. Also, just turn the helmet upside down, make the old fashioned the helmet, and just, you know, kind of like Das Boot. Done. Das Boot. Das Helmet. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, we'll, we'll, Jameson, go ahead and kick us off with our uh, uh, bourbon. Of the yeah, other let's way. do it, guys. Well, again, welcome to. Uh, I'll pour if you want to talk about it a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, episode five, Real Estate Serving on the Rocks. Again, like JC said, if you guys are watching at home, follow along, hit that subscribe button. We have uh, episodes come out every Friday. YouTube should be coming out the following Wednesday or Thursday. So feel free to like and subscribe and let us know what you guys think. While JC's pouring this bourbon, uh, what we're tasting today is a McKenna 10-year. Um, supposedly excellent. So a couple facts on this bourbon specifically. Henry McKenna was a Irish immigrant and he had a family Irish recipe 
for whiskey that when they came over to the United States, he went ahead and adapted it uh, for the grains that he found in Kentucky, right? So obviously the mash bills and everything would be different from an Irish whiskey versus a bourbon. He adapted it and it is a bottle and bond. If you guys tuned in last week, we had Oscar explain what uh, bonded whiskey is, but essentially regulated so people don't go blind. Mm. And it is actually one of the longest bottled and bond uh, barreled whiskeys in existence. So this particular one, is barreled for about 40 Kentucky seasons. So in a wow. rickhouse, it is it is nice. Um, I'm excited to try it. Uh, as far as the notes, we should be getting some vanilla, some oak. Who is Rick and why are we in his house? Yeah, well, you know, Rick allows us to be in his house and he serves really good <laughs> bourbon. Yeah, what, I, what I'm pumped about is 10 years is is not hard, not easy. So if no. you put something in a barrel for 10 years, you're not 40 gonna, seasons. You're not going to yield a lot. I mean, yep. the journey that this bourbon 10 years is a long time. And, it, yep. and it's a full single barrel, meaning it like is. whatever came from that one barrel, which is roughly like 115 to 125 bottles, is in here. And to make that taste good after 10 years at 100 proof is challenging. So. Yeah, and one of the things uh, to note about this is the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, mm-hmm. 2021, so last year. Uh, it actually won first place as the best single barrel bourbon, and it won a double gold. Take that. So I Lens. have some high I like hopes it. for this. And uh, if you guys are at home, uh, we'll give you the review at the very end. But from what I've seen, and you know, maybe we might have tasted it a little bit before the episode, I think it's going to be good. So let's try it, guys. Yeah, that's a little bit. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Ooh, the notes definitely come out. Yeah, I get the, the the vanilla and the caramel notes for sure. Ooh. That's smooth. I like it. I love the fact that you can taste the caramel and vanilla together at the same time, mm-hmm. and then it finishes without a, a bite. Like, there's no yeah. burn to it. Well, actually, you described it right last week. You were saying that you know that first that first sip should feel like fire. It's fire. It's um, gasoline. So what, do you, what do you think about this one? It was good. Obviously, we've it's already not, it's we've not had some, but it's it, it doesn't hit you in the face. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's smooth. So it's not dream on I chew it, right? Mm-hmm. Get the, the flavors in the mouth. I have the honey. Yep. Vanilla. Herbaceous. Herbaceous. You want to talk about his shirt or the I, I was talking about yeah, just I, how I have appointments later on today. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little dressed up. I have, I have to go show some property, meet some people, mm. and all the it's, stuff. It says it has a nice, long, spicy finish, which it does. It does. Well, but and, I don't think it's it's not overpowering. The, the like, spice kind of lingers. It, it, yeah. The herb sense yeah. it lingers, mm-hmm. it, but not in a bad way. No. Not like pepper, right? It's no. it's just there. It's, more it's cinnamon, a little spicy. Cinnamony? Mm-hmm. Yeah, more cinnamony. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it just stays on the palate. This is a little fantastic. Bit. I love it. It is. Yeah. It's a good, so it's a good drinker. We're nope, gonna we're I gonna sip on this throughout, guys. So if you're at home uh, and you have your own bottle, by all means, if you're driving, listening to this, maybe don't do that. Just no do word not of warning and drive. Not, not good yes. uh but and we'll pulling over it. and drinking and then drive it's not it's, yeah no, that doesn't count either just wait till you get home wait till you get home so yeah we'll sit uh if you guys are watching at home or you're listening um feel free to join in and again as always love some recommendations if you see anything on the wall that you'd like us to try to by all means don't yeah. twist my arm and uh at the end of it we'll give a review as we go through some of this really important information and hopefully you guys find some value so and, JC, and don't ask where we're where, where we are because we will get whacked this is a secret location. I was blindfolded on the way in here. Yeah, they had yeah. a hood over our heads and yeah. everything. Oscar kept. I'm sunglasses. playing that narco theme. The next one, guys, just see. <laughs> it's, the nar- <laughs> it's the narco theme today. No, I love it. So, and, uh, as we get into the, the the topic here, so it's actually one of my favorite things to go over. So, you'll find uh, a link to what we we put together a one pager of a buyer's guide, and also we'll give a, a, a link to Oscar's a bit more extensive deep dive into this. 
um, on the podcast link as well as our YouTube link. But really what we want to do is do one high level overview, which is today. Mm -hmm. We're going to walk you through the process from start to finish, what it looks like to buy a home, the costs, what to expect, who you're going to talk to, and the time it should take. And then um, we're going to actually have a series of four other podcasts after this where we're going to interview uh, and have guests that are experts in their field. So we'll have a lender come through. We'll have an inspector come through. We'll have a title rep come through and an appraiser come through. Yeah. And I think it's important because we have, you know, a lot of times as a, as a buyer, and I've had this feedback, I'm sure you guys have as well. It's such a whirlwind of things that happen as you go through the process. And our goal is from a real estate standpoint, we want to give you guys what to expect. And then we want to bring in some very, very intelligent people to explain because so much happens in the background that you guys might not be aware about. And we want to make sure that as you're going through, you're not blindly signing documents or going, I don't know what a title insurance policy is or what is an appraiser and why do they hate me? We want to get through all of that. So that's the goal over the next four episodes. We'll give you the high level and bring some really, really good people in uh, to go in depth. And if you guys got questions before those episodes, submit them and we'll make sure that we get them on so we can get them answered. Right. A, a quick overview. It's going to be whatever the time length that we have, but we could go into depth into every single of the subjects that we're going to go into. And, you know, hopefully, like Jameson said, it'll it'll reduce or eliminate any of the questions or unknowns that you may have and also give you some information on how or what to ask. I mean, ideally, if you use us as realtors, we'll take care of everything. But if you do have your own realtor or lender, appraiser, inspector, anybody you come in contact with, what to ask, what to look for, as well as to your own personal questions. And guys, if you're not hearing from us every day, doesn't mean we're not working. We're working in the background, see what the uh, meats and bones of what's going on in the real estate transaction while you're at home. Hopefully just enjoying the fun part, looking at the houses and liking the houses. I love it. And uh, a lot of what we're drawing from when we created this process is either our own personal experience mm -hmm. when we bought our first house yep, or um, fails as we got into the business. Like what, what did we mess up on? How did we not know what was happening and how do we not know how to give the information to the people at the right time? So that's really where, where this was put together. So really like when we start to break it down, um, we, when we first meet with a buyer, we want to sit down and discuss the process from start to finish. So there's no surprises. And, in our industry, the pace of the market can change week to week, month to month. So Man, it fast. seems hour to hour sometimes. Blink, blink it's crazy. Yeah. So what we've decided is we like to go slow in the beginning so that we can go fast mm -hmm. at the end. What, what I mean by that is we want to make sure like if we're touring houses and then inevitably at 730 on a Saturday, you're going to fall in love with the home. You want, you, know, you want us to write an offer. But for us, we want to make sure you understand what you're signing. And so if we do all this stuff in the beginning, it should feel like nothing, right? If we do our job right yep. at the end of this process, it should feel like it should painless. be smooth. It should be painless. And you're like, about oh as smooth as McKenna 10. Almost about as smooth mm -hmm. as that. I'm mean, pretty good. That. Yeah. Well, and I think we talked about it, JC, a couple episodes ago when we were talking about uh, the statistic of um, buyer's remorse, yes. right? And I think. Well, remember, the, remember what that number was? Oh my God. I, it was so sad. Like, what was it 75%? 77%. 77%, right? Over the last two years. And obviously, part of that was market driven. Mm -hmm. But the other part was if you don't go into the transaction fully transparent with expectations set, you can get caught in traps that that make it not a great experience that then affect the home ownership piece after the fact. And I think that's another driver of this is we've, you know, and I, I'll speak to, you know, again, representing Metro 52 home team, Jameson Amros, JC Ortega, Oscar Ibarra over here, 
all of us fantastic professionals, we think anyway, right? In our and own helping minds. our clients. But we have not had a ton of people say, you know yeah. what, I really regret purchasing with you guys. And I think it's because we have this process in place yep. and it is predictable and it's consistent every single time we go with a client. And it's not it's not anything about tuning your own horns, but we understand expectations. And you guys out there, if you're buying a home, my God, I mean, look at Zillow. How many Redfin alerts do you get? Like it can be extremely overwhelming. So yeah, it, it's, it's been daunting and having those conversations up front not only sets the expectations, but it sets the course of what the transaction is going to be like. Yeah, exactly. You know, having the, even if they're ugly conversations, um, because there is, have them up front. Mm-hmm. That way, moving forward, yeah. it's Get not a surprise on. later down on the road. Right. Agreed. Love it. So we, and again, the, please refer to our one pager because I think it's going to make a lot more sense if you visualize what we're looking at. And typically when we sit down with you, we're going to bring you a folder and that folder is going to contain our buyer's process, which is a one pager, a calendar. So we can sort of organize how we're going to attack mm-hmm. the, the next couple of months based on your situation, whether you're renting or moving in from out of state, whatever. And then a copy of all the contracts that we'll talk about. Right. So the first one you get into when you start shopping for a house is you got to typically find a realtor you feel comfortable working with. Yes. Do you guys agree? Agreed. hundred percent. Absolutely. Back in the day, we used to say someone that you could ride in a car with. Typically, people follow me. They don't ride in my car anymore. <laughs> I think that's a little bit. Well, especially wearing that outfit. I don't wow. know. <laughs> hey, outfit's awesome. My glasses. There's fluorescent lightings. I no. came in. These are my prescriptions. No, whatever. Let's get that car. off the board. All right? Who's your realtor? Whatever. He's herbaceous. Yeah. I'm herbaceous. <laughs> I would follow you all day. You know, grab somebody that you, you can have a good conversation with, you mm-hmm. can be open with, that you trust. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of stereotypical crap with real estate agents. A lot of it's true. Find someone that's very knowledgeable and it's going to make it a little fun at least because it is a very stressful process if it's not done Right. You know what's so quick side note, Oscar, on that? And again, COVID messed it up, right? Like everybody's in their own separate cars and whatever. I enjoy driving clients around because it's funny with the, you know, if you're in between showings and there's downtime and maybe it's a 10 to 15 minute drive in between, that's such a good opportunity for you guys to ask us questions about the neighborhood or things that are really, really fresh in your mind. Because a lot of times as we're going through showings, right, you see all these different houses, you may forget some things. If we hop in the car and we're hanging out and talking, To me, it makes it that much easier, and you guys can get the questions well, you need. I out. love actually tour, touring a specific area and be like, "Hey, like this is the school your kids would go to. Mm-hmm. This is the house we looked at. You can. I, I mean, this happened literally on Tuesday. No, Monday morning. Folks from out of state came in from Louisiana. They wanted to check out the neighborhoods because New Orleans is different than you know suburbs of Colorado. They wanted to be able. Yeah, to they have drive-through liquor stores. They wanted to drive. Mm without a bus to school, meaning like take their bikes to school. Mm-hmm. And I was able to like, hey, this is where we're going. Then I showed them like, this is the park where they'll be playing soccer. Yeah, it's cool. This is, the, this is the breakfast restaurant we're gonna go to. So it's like, that part's really fun. And so ultimately, like Oscar's saying is, you wanna find someone you, you can trust that has the information that you need mm-hmm. and can break it down, right? So we can all go to Zillow and see a house. That's not hard. Right. 100%. And, and I like playing devil's advocate. So on the other side of that coin, if you are following your agent, that gives you the downtime to discuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's yeah. a couple, you know, there's, there might be some things that you, you think that's going to hurt our feelings or, you know, what that, that house was horrible. That was crap. What is he doing? Gives you that time to discuss it and then maybe bring forward, hey, you know what? Let's, let's adjust our search. Oh, yeah. You know, so it, either way, it's good. But knowledge 
knowledge, yeah. knowledge, knowledge, comfortability. And I would encourage anyone, especially if you're a consumer in the market looking to buy a home, please interview multiple agents. Yes, 100%. Uh, Unless you're talking to me, just interview me. Yes, That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> if he doesn't say the word herbaceous in the first five minutes of that conversation, <laughs> though, go to the next one. <laughs> on, on, uh, like he was saying, we, we give out information and I, I give out a binder. And at the bottom, it's what I live by. Knowledgeable, trust, fun. I dig it. That's that's kind of. I can attest to all three of those. I've been out to Oscar to some Nuggets <laughs> game. He is knowledgeable. I can trust that he's going to take care of us, and the dude's fun. So I try. I try. <laughs> Absolutely, hundred percent. Right, 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 right on the board yep. there. So once, like, just the, the statistics are kind of crazy. Like, seventy percent of people who work with a buyer's agent work with the first person they talk to. Yep. I would, you know, not to disparage our, our industry, but the barrier to entry is not very high. And the average realtor does less than five deals a year. Mm -hmm. That's hard to be really good at something if you're only doing it five times a year. Yep. And a lot of part-time agents, yeah, a, so just, a lot. Just not, interview not, them, make sure you find out what their process is. And that's, and that's sort of like our biggest message to new buyers is, hey, before you get jumped into something, just figure out what their process is. Make sure you, they, they fit your communication style, they fit, your thinking style, like the, can, can they relay the information the way you can understand it best? Mm -hmm. And do they listen more than they talk? Mm. True. That's a big one. Yeah. 100%. Yep. So well, it, it, there was even a, a thing on a feed, right, on our Facebook that an agent of ours, she's a great agent, um, not of ours, but a friend of ours. Uh, I think the consumer had a family member that was showing him property and she reached out to the agent, or was it you, and said, can we... Can you, does there a template to write the offer? Because my agent's newer. I saw this. On the Red yeah. flag. I saw this, I saw this posted. It wasn't me, but I did see this. Someone definitely posted like, Hey, uh, my agent, uh, we want to write an offer. They're like a family member, but they, you know, they're new. They're new. Can we, can we get a template to make the offer? You should be Usain Bolt in that scenario Run. and try and break a world record. Agreed. Agreed. So the biggest thing when you, when you, when you find your agent <clears throat> that you want to work with, and this is where the contracts come in place. There's what's called a buyer's agency agreement. No matter every state that you are in, there's some form of this. And from a buyer's standpoint, sometimes we get a little nervous about signing documents, as you should. You should definitely understand the document you signed before you. And, and it's not us being overbearing. This is something that needs to be signed prior to us giving you any kind of real estate advice. Do we do it 100% of the time? If I'm in a casual envi environment, I'm going to give you some advice. Maybe we talk about the transaction. It's a little bit of a gray area. You should have a buyer's agency signed. So it's not us being aggressive. It's us just following the guidelines well, it's, that we're, that we're off, supposed to be doing. Before you sign anything, whoever you're talking to has literally no accountability to you. Absolutely. Once right. you sign an agency agreement, that agent now is a, has a fiduciary responsibility to you. What that means is every decision they make has to be in your best interest at any given moment in time. And real quick, so this is a big distinction that I want to make sure is crystal clear because there's a lot of, and I'll, I'm going to acknowledge it, right? There's a lot of hate towards real estate agents, mm -hmm. realtors, we're ambulance chasers, we're right above car salesmen, whatever it is. And shout out to my car salesman friends. Right? Nothing against you. Exactly. You guys are awesome. Rest in peace, Rocky Otto. Um, but it's a it's an important distinction for you guys to understand because when we say fiduciary duty, it does mean that if there is are things that we are either doing that are not in your best interest or not doing that would be in your best interest legally, that can be reported and 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 measures can be taken against yeah. that agent. It literally right? puts our license at jeopardy. And people don't understand order. that because they just assume, oh, well, you're here for this, that, and the other. No, if I have, if my job is to represent my client as best as I can, 
it is in the contract written mm -hmm. that that is what I am supposed to do per the Colorado real estate and NAR, anything that you look at, make sure you guys understand that because- it's the same level of responsibility as an attorney has yes. to a client. It's very important. Yeah. And I think it's maybe it's people are, are either afraid or they don't think any repercussions are going to happen if they do report something. But make sure that if that's signed, like you guys understand, we are here for you. We don't do anything in our interest whatsoever. It, it protects you. Yes. Yeah. And then what's, once you have signed that, we are now working for you. And, and guys, it's not like you're going to sign your life away. A written notice. That happens later. That happens at closing. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I mean, if it's sign it, it's yeah. protecting you. Yeah. If you don't like anything about that agent, written notice, breach of contract. Mm -hmm. You're done. You're yep. set free. Yeah. And, and honestly, to be like, I've never really had too big of a deal with it. Like most, no. mo once we sit down and discuss it, yeah, if most, you do your job right, yeah, you most shouldn't, folks are right? Fine with it. And again, like I'm kind of weirdo. Like I, I honestly think if you want to work with me. Because you want not because a piece of paper you want to work with me because you like me trust me I do this no one hundred percent I'm the same way yeah. so and then on the flip side it does protect us a little bit yes. so we've had some times where like we'll go show houses for three four five six months and then all of a sudden your brother's cousins uncle's sisters nephew got their license gets their license and they're like hey I can do this well awesome I just spent six months you know showing houses and teaching you about everything you probably know more than they do because you've had six months of experience with a tenured agent they've had six weeks of real estate classes on the internet. And they're going to ask you for a template on how to write a contract. They're going to ask you a template. So there is a, there is a mutual beneficial yes. like, relationship with that. So that is something that we want to make sure that you understand ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So that's what we put it in our packet. Yes. We want you to read that. Have any questions you may come up with, please ask away. Once you decide the agent that you're comfortable working with and the agency agreement is signed, the next major milestone is we want to get you pre-qualified and ready to um, buy a house. Yep. So we would refer you to any of our multiple partners who are mm -hmm. very good at what they do. The reason why we refer you to multiple partners is because number one, like we've had instances where we'll get buyers who come with a pre-approval from a online lender or an out-of-state lender and it sounds great, but they didn't do all the right processes and we get you in a contract and then two weeks down the line, you find out the home of your dreams you can't buy because you're not really pre-qualified. Yep. So we want to make sure... Again, as your fiduciary, meaning every decision we make has to be in your best interest, is we don't want you to fall in love with the house only to break the dreams of what you wanted to accomplish because the lender that unfortunately got your information just wasn't as good as what we're used to. Right. Yeah. Or and skip, I think the, skipped a step. Yeah. yeah. So when we're looking at the lending side of things, Jameson, what are some of the things we're looking at, at on, a, on a real estate standpoint? I mean, from a real estate standpoint, the, the biggest piece and we'll get into this with the expert. I think we're going to have our lender on next week, right? Yeah, lender comes in next um, week, which is exciting. There's a there's a big misconception between pre-qualified and pre-approved, right? Mm -hmm. They're two very, very different things. And we're looking for a pre-approval, number one, right? Because that means- Oscar, it's, what is a pre-approval versus pre-qualification? Pre-approval, you call them up, you give them basic information, and they're like, yep, I have, they haven't verified. And they're going to say, from what you've provided to me, pre-approved. Okay. Right. Um, and, and some lenders are doing uh, pre-underwriting. So what do, pre -underwriting. We, what do we want as an agent before we start showing people homes? We want someone that has been thoroughly looked at. You have given them your, they're going to ask for your social security number because they got, you're telling a story in the lending side, right? This is my name. This is who I am. This is my credit score. The credit score um, is it's it's an algorithm that I still don't know how it comes up, but it's it just says I pay it's basically my, black magic. I, I, it's fugazi, fugazi, it's fugazi, it's fugazi, it's a lot of No, but it's it, what, what that does. It says 
look, I, I've had a history of li liabilities in the past yeah. and I pay them on time. Yep. Yeah. So I am trustworthy. And then work. I've, it, it doesn't matter if you're at your job for two years, that's the minimum, right? Um, or 10 years, I have a steady income. Cool. Yep. And then assets. So you're telling a story of who you are to just pretend it's someone that you don't know, which the bank doesn't know you. Are so, you going to so, be able to pay back the loan on the money that the bank is giving you? Absolutely, 100%. And, yeah. then, so, and then at that point, they, they don't have to go through the whole process, but they've at least gathered enough information, looked at your, your W-2s and your check stubs, mm -hmm. self-employed, your, your tax returns, and then they'll go ahead and issue, you know, we've done enough to where I'm 100% sure that I could get this done. And then they're gonna go ahead and do the, all the verifications and, and everything that they have to do. And tune in next week because we this is the reason we're gonna have a lender on. They're gonna go through the things that they specifically look for, right? And depending on the programs, there's different things they look for. Oscar mentioned, you know, two years of employment. There's non-income employment or- Bank uh, statements. Yep. There's a whole month, lot of options There's a lot of different there. options. So tune in next week because we're gonna have somebody on the show that's gonna go in depth with what they look with. Maybe give us some insight on the black magic that is credit reports and yeah, pulling those uh, new FHA guidelines are going to come out in the next couple of years that are going to involve uh, calculating rent pay rental payment history. Yeah. So there's a lot of cool things that, you know, our job is to connect you with people. And I think experts to JC's point, right? He said it earlier, if you're working with an agent and you want to make sure you enjoy working with those people, I'll be honest, once you're under contract, the person they communicate with most is the lender. Mm -hmm. So the other side of that is you want to make sure that when why we give you multiple people to, to talk to. One, make sure you get the best rate because we want it to be your decision at the end of the day. And then number two, we want to make sure that you're comfortable working and talking with somebody that's going to be all up in your business for the next 27 days before we close. Yeah, so. and, and to touch to what, what, what the, the original question was, I mean, there, there are apps out there that you, you throw in your information and this is just coming from the consumer and it spits out a prequel, yeah. right? Yeah, so you, you could get a prequel for almost nothing, right? You could put a prequel in, there's certain websites on there that will give you a prequel without mm -hmm. even credit. So what we wanna make sure is that as realtors, if we're gonna represent your best interests, we're not gonna take you out there unless you're 100% fully pre-approved with a underwritten file that guarantees that we've write that offer, it's gonna close. Correct. Yep. Because that's not gonna help you, it's not gonna help- The know, seller, it's not gonna help anybody. No, no one. And um, what we look for uh, on our side of things, what we've decided is like, typically you'll get a pre-approval letter they give you, you're pre-approved for 500,000 or 600,000, which is cool, but what we wanna know is what's your actual payment? Mm -hmm. What can you afford monthly? Because right. really that's what matters, right? When I go tell, like, when, when I go look at the house I wanna buy, like I wanna know what I'm paying for monthly. And we can only set up your search based on that because there's so many things that go into your payment. The four major pieces are gonna be your principal, which is what the actual loan is on the house. Mm -hmm. The interest, which is your interest rate, determined a lot of by your credit. You have your taxes, which is set up by the district you're in or the area you're at, and your insurance. And yes. that's also de determined based on the age of the house and location. So what- If you guys tuned in last week, that's what we talked yeah, about. Yeah, insurance. So for example, here in Castle Rock, there is seven different tax districts. So one quick example, in Founders, they had a, an assessment posed upon that district because the HOA went belly up, the town bailed them out. Hmm. So they had to basically take borrow money from the town to take the HOA from bankruptcy back to like viability. And a home there, because of they were paying back that bill for 550, the monthly payment would be the exact same as a home in uh, the Meadows for like $600,000. Yep. 
So your monthly payment is the same on the, the house based on tax rate. Mm-hmm. And we even talked about HOAs yet. So as realtors, I was going to say HOA has special assessments again. They, they and well. we could do an entire podcast yeah. on that because well, and, there's, and there's yeah. examples, yeah. Castle Pines and the grocery tax, right? Oh, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> and we can go like, it gets me excited about that stuff sometimes. Like I, like, we should well, actually, we should do we, an we'll episode get, we'll get on, tax, on Metro tax, tax, tax districts. Because okay, taxes is, are so sexy. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about taxes, but it's, but fun, it's, it's fun good information, so guys. Well, ultimately, what we want to make sure is that, so the two biggest fears for buyers are number one, they want to make sure they see every home that's in their price and number two, they don't want to make sure they overpay. Right. And and when we're looking at homes, to segue a little bit towards what will fluctuate, yep. insurance and taxes. Yep. Your principal and interest are, are going to stay and your mortgage insurance, which we have to differentiate. What's yeah. hazard we'll, insurance we'll, we'll is dive, the house we'll and mortgage insurance yeah. is for the loan, we'll right? Deep dive into that and and that's yeah. that's a side. But those things will affect your search. Agreed. Because if, you, if, if you're looking at a certain area, you know what the taxes are going to be. But say that... You know, you're looking at Highlands Ranch, and Highlands Ranch has Jeffco, Douglas, and Arapaho, I think. Just Douglas. All right. But, uh, there's some areas in there. I mm-hmm. think if you cross four, uh, 470, yeah. uh, you know, you, you, you go into the Littleton area, and that's that's a different county. Yeah, you get Taxes Jeff, are going to be different, yeah. and that's going to that's gonna change your payment. You might be able to buy more, yeah. or you might be able to buy less. And yeah. if we just put you a generic search that says, like, you know, 550000 that's it, we're going to lose some of the options you have to buy. Yeah, and, and, and that's what we want to prevent. We want exactly. to show you yes. every home and your price point. And there's, there's, a, and and I'm glad you brought this up because I've had this. So just to recap, right, real quick. So we want to get the realtor you guys are comfortable with working. We want to get the lender shopped against a couple others. Make sure you have the best rate, the person you enjoy working with, the program that best suits you based on what your monthly budget is and what you can afford. And then we go into the search. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is there's a lot of people that will work with real estate agents and they'll say, hey, my budget's X, Y, Z. And all of a sudden they're getting shown houses maybe a little bit above, a little bit below, right? Without an explanation, it seems like you're being taken advantage of. Let's be honest. They want me to buy a house that I can't afford. Exactly. And that's not the case. The case is because of what JC's talking about, we want to make sure you guys do see everything within that price range. And that's why we always talk to people. And I know I do this. When I say, what can you afford monthly? We know what you're approved for max, right? But that max could be, let's say it's 2,800 bucks a month, Yeah. but you're really comfortable at 2,000 a month. Now I always ask what the range is because I know we'll find some things above that price point, maybe 2,500, that if it hits and marks the right check boxes and we'll go through that process in a minute, that you guys get to see it. Because the last thing we want is you guys to move into a house and it checks some boxes. Then three months later, a Redfin alert pops up and it's your dream house that was $300 more a month that you go, oh man, I wish I would have moved on that house. Why didn't my agent show me that? So just to recap, that is why we're doing it. And JC and Oscar will go into you know, what those search parameters are and the different things we look for. But I wanted to make sure that's very clear to you guys. We're not trying to purposely max out your budget. We want to make sure you don't run into the two fears that JC just said. I'm either paying too much or I'm not seeing enough. And and that that goes into what your wants and needs are. Love it. Great. Just because they're not, they're two separate, two separate things. These are the things I cannot live without. These are the things I would like. And these are the things that, well, if I could get, that would be awesome. And as Jameson said, if you want all of them, they're probably going to be on the top of the, mm-hmm. of the maxed out list. If you could deal with them down here, guys, we'll get you into any home in the price point. But we got to talk about your wants and needs first, what that looks like, what to expect. And hey, if it checks out all the boxes that are very important to you, we're going to bring that up. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And I think Oscar does a really good job of explaining what that what that like conversation goes. 
So I really like to break it down by, so wants, needs, what can you change? What can't you change? What so, can you live without? What, yeah. So like you, you can't change the lot. Really can't change the location. Nope. Can, can, I mean, if it's on wheels. Can you change paint color? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Can you change flooring? Heck yeah. So we want to make sure we hit the things that um, we can control and then set you up for the future. One of the questions we get a lot of times, um, especially with first time home buyers, new to the market, they watch too much HGTV and they're like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to do this, we're going to do that. No. So the reality is like, so you're, uh, we live in a very affluent community. Um, Douglas County happens to be the fourth highest income per capita county in the United States. And in between some of the communities talked about like Castle Rock, Highlands Ranch, there's this place called uh, Castle Pines where our office is. And literally every home there is about a million dollars. Yep. And I look out there and I'm like, hey, on the low end, yeah, on the low end, right? There's up. To, yeah, it's crazy. But there's not that many. The leader people. of Remax lives there. Oh, yeah. Twenty-four million dollar house. Oh, his house is but dope. Awesome. There's, not, <laughs> his house is there's awesome. not that many millionaires that live in Colorado. In right. fact, not even close. Yep. What a lot of times our buyers don't understand is your first home is your stepping stone to your next. Home. Yes. What we want to do is we want to set you up. Like, let's get you a home to where you feel good about the monthly payment. You can maybe do a couple things to it to increase the value, while also incre increasing in value over time with mm -hmm. equity. And if you're okay with that and you understand that the real estate's a long game, and if you want to eventually have a million dollar house, sometimes it starts with a $250,000 house, that's fantastic. And sometimes we, uh, as agents, don't do enough of a service to buyers explaining that, like, again, your first home is your stepping stone to your next home. Yes. So, great. So, we've established our price band mm -hmm. at a monthly payment. We've established your list of your needs, your wants and your things you can change, what you can't change. Mm -hmm. So now we start searching for homes. And one of the coolest things about our system is we wanna make sure you understand that uh, as we tour homes, other people are also touring homes. And as we look at a home, we wanna make sure you rate it zero to 10 based on your wants, needs, locations, things you can change, what you can't change, what are things you don't like, what are things you do like. And once we have that rating, then we can start to diagnose, like, should we make an offer? Should we not make an yep. offer? So what are the what are some of the things you guys look at when you guys are touring homes with folks to help them establish their range? And then from that, what range do we need to start looking at making offers? Oscar, go for it. Okay, right. I'll go for Jameson. it. So uh, to JC's point, right, the, the there's intangibles of a house. And when I say intangibles, I mean the things that are just there that won't change without maybe a, maybe a massive makeover, right? You, JC brought up HGTV. Does the house have good bones, right? <laughs> a lot of people will go and be like, I'm going to knock out this wall and I'm going to knock out that wall and I'm going to tear this up. Realistically, like they're pipe dreams for the most part because a lot of times, especially first-time homebuyers, they've never done it before. So they also, understand. It costs it, money. It's expensive. It's, expensive, it's time right? consuming. Nobody well, wants yep, to live the in money a construction spend, zone. Will you get back yes. from it? Yes. And we'll, we'll do another podcast on ROI for something like home improvement renovations. Explain what ROI is. Return on investment. Investment. Um, basically how much you spend on renovating something versus how much you actually get it back. If you put it in another living room uh, yep. and, and put in a, a better in your kitchen. Yeah. They, they are different. Yeah. Quick example, a, a high model or a high end remodel of a kitchen is about a 65% ROI, right? Mm -hmm. So if I spend a hundred thousand dollars on remodeling my kitchen, I'll get $60,000 back when I sell the house on average. So total side note. But what we look at is when we look at their wants and needs, like Oscar breaks down for his clients, we make sure that as we tour our house, our job is to ask questions. And I've had, I've run into this. We're not pushing back on purpose and steering you 
from one property to another, I want to make sure you guys are super clear because from an agent standpoint, it is a business transaction for us, right? We are trying to get you into the place that you want for the price that fits your budget in the quickest amount of time possible so that you guys can enjoy the property. From a buyer standpoint, it's it's an emotional decision. And 100%, I was gonna our, say. our job is to taper that and make sure you guys are making those decisions with some emotion, but with a business sense. So when we look at it and we do the range from one to 10, what we normally like to say is, if you're sitting there and we're looking at your criteria, we walk through a house, I ask you some questions, you say, hey, I love this, I hate this, so on and so forth. We look and say, hey, what are two things you love about the house? What are two things you hate about the house? And then on a scale of one to 10, what do you rate it? The reason we do that, and JC alluded to this earlier in the podcast, is we want to be able to move slow to act quickly, right? So if we start sitting at a seven, an eight, a nine, and a 10, we normally say, hey, that's that's time to make an offer. Agreed. Because we want to, you know, if we do fall in love with a house at 7.30 on a Saturday and it's an eight, we want to we want to understand like, hey, you know what? The chances of us finding a nine or a 10 without competition are slim, even now in this market. Yeah, why well, um, slow down, but a 10? Yeah. Which yeah. We, call it a, we, we call it a cream puff, right? Yep. Cream puff is like the best of all the best things. It's price grade, it has new floors, it has new kitchen. Yeah, moving ready, it's Guess what? quality. Everyone wants a cream puff. Yep. And it's not like we're, we're doing some scripted, you know, corny thing. It's, you know, we don't know what you're thinking. And sometimes I, I, may, I may look at the emotion on the client and think, oh, that house was garbage. And I don't say anything. And at the end of the showing, they're like, we love this house. Actually, it's so funny. So this, and I'm like, oh my this, God. This, and it, this is why we started talking about this originally. This is one of the stories that made me get pumped about this whole like process. So I literally walked through a house. It was like my second year. And Hispanic family, amazing. Uh, he's a priest. He's now in, uh, or pastor. He's now in North Carolina. We walked through this house. And I went outside. And there was four cockroaches on the ground. And a dead mouse in the, in the, in the dog bowl. And I about to open my mouth and go, uh, we need to get out of here. <laughs> is he? You want to go? And before I even said anything, they said, me encanta. I love it. They loved it. Right. So, cause we have false expectations from our past and all that matters is about you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And for them, that was the Taj Mahal. No, nobody has the same and they, likes, right? Yeah. And that is why we ask questions, uh, of you guys when we're touring houses, because <clears throat> we want to make sure we're as informed to give you guys the best advice possible which at the end of the day means that our clients can make the most educated decision based on what they saw. JC's point, like we see things that you guys don't see because we're looking at it from one perspective. Real but estate, you guys also eyes. see something that we may not see because this is going to be the place that you guys live in for the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, right? And my question to them is what, what would stop you from making an offer on this home? And then and it's a great question. That's when I get a lot of feedback. Yep. It's great. It's a great question. Well, then we can find out more about what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we shut up and listen. Absolutely. 100%. So, 100%. Yep. Typically, like, so once we get to, like Jameson, seven to 10, it's about time making offers. Now, granted, the market is going to dictate how quickly we move and how slow we go. But even right now, nines and tens, cream puffs, as we say, mm-hmm. are going to go fast. So what we want to make sure is if you, that's the house for you, that think about it. If you're thinking about an offer, somebody just sold the house yesterday, we want to make yep. sure we get you the home you want. Great. Found the home you like, ready to make an offer. What's do you next? guys do this real quick? I got a question for yeah. you, right? Um, and this is something that I've done and I've gotten pretty good feedback. So I'm actually curious. Normally, like if I get people that are super excited about an offer and obviously it depends on how quick the market's moving, but in today's area, if it's a seven or an eight and we know we may be the only offer one or two, I always, if I get somebody who goes, I want to make an offer on this house, I make them sleep on it for a little bit 
Like I'll, I'll, if it's an hour, if it's two hours, just to make sure that they understand what it means, especially if I know we're going to win this offer. Like, Hey, you know what? We're good. I'll call the listing agent and say, Hey, what kind of action do you guys have on the property? And if there's nothing like, Oh yeah, we had seven offers lined up. If it's not that I like to make my clients wait a little bit to just discuss. I make a read. <clears throat> if I, if, if, if the client's over eager and they, they like everything, right. I'll tell them, let's finish up today's showings. Yeah. And if there, if there might be something tomorrow, do you want to take a look at it? Mm -hmm. If it's, if the market's as hot as it was a year ago, then it's coin flip. Correct. You know, yes. It, it, let's finish today. Let's yeah. think about it. I'll give you an hour, discuss it with the spouse or whatever you need to do. You know, go grab some lunch. If you still love it, let's write that offer. Mm -hmm. I guess to me, it's situational. Yeah. Um, again, seven to 10, it hits all their needs, their wants, their desires. They're excited about it. It depends on the situation. Sure. Right. And, and at the end of the day, it's not up to us. Yep. If the client says we're doing that, Let's that's go. what I am going to do. Let's go. Yeah. I'm going to get you what you that, want. That's the, I think the, once I give them, because the questions I get asked, Hey, do you think it's good help? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's great. Like there's no bad panels. The roof looks pretty good. The furnace. All, like, Does it have solar it. panels? I don't. Mm. <laughs> Shout out to a couple Dude, of We ago. need to get a clue report. <laughs> thing. No, it, there's a, it's, it's, it's a fine Charlie, line. what's a clue report? <laughs> so it's a fine line for sure. But like once we're there for them to make an offer. Yep. So the cool thing is the way we've designed the system is we've already given you a copy of the contract that we're going to write in paper. Mm -hmm. We already gave you a contract uh, in paper and electronically of the um, agency agreement. So now we'll just send you a, uh, a digital version of that to sign with mm -hmm. the terms. Yep. And now you're officially under contract. Congratulations. Woohoo! Hey, Woo! yeah. You got an offer in. Now the next step is you got to get your earnest money check or good funds into the title company. Yep. Bum, bum, bum. Jamie, so it's not like? over. It's not over. It's actually just beginning. So earnest money is super important. And, and here's why. Earnest money is good funds. So good funds realistically means that the money is easily, easily tracked, right? It's got to come from a checking account, savings account, 401k, something concrete. And it's important to distinguish what that is because a $600,000 house, you can expect a $6,000 earnest money check to be due within three business days of closing, or sorry, of going under contract. Typically, yes. Right? And, typically. And it is negotiable. Correct. So, for, for example, a VA loan typically is no money down. Right. So, $6,000 is a lot of money for someone who's putting no money down mm -hmm. on a loan. So, we could obviously negotiate that down to a lower, more reasonable price. Correct. And with the earnest money, it is specifically, it goes <clears throat> to closing costs, right? So, it's not a sunk cost. It's just, let's say your closing costs at the end of the day, after the closing closure is $15,000, you have a $6,000 in earnest money then at closing, you'll owe $6,000 less because you paid it up front. Oh, so once well, that's we done, lost, we lost it, right? It's three days. Once yeah. that's in, then the next big hurdle is inspection, yeah. right? So JC, talk to us about inspection. So inspections are super important because what inspections are going to do is going to make sure that the home where we put an offer on, we got accepted is to the standards that we expected it to be mm -hmm. behind the walls, in the plumbing, in the electrical, things we cannot see. We want to make sure there's no material defects to the home. It can cause adverse safety or health issues or cost or, issues or very big cost yep. issues. So typically an inspection runs between 450 and 650, depending mm -hmm. on what we're looking for. But Oscar, what are the bigger ticket items we want to look at? So the way I present it to my clients is big ticket items, safety and hazard stuff, right? Foundation. Make sure the house is not going anywhere anytime soon. Foundation is expensive. Big ticket item safety right you don't want a house falling on you plumbing electrical furnace the roof sewer 
you cannot see the sewer. So a sewer is always recommended. Always. General inspection and a sewer scope is And the it's not that expensive, thing. guys. It's another hundred dollars. A hundred no, even if it's two hundred dollars, it's peace of mind. What's the, you can't have, see you, it. have you had a, a sewer go bad? Like one that needed to be repaired? How much? Oh, absolutely. How much? Uh if it's at the tap. Yep. Uh, personally the, the most expensive was fifteen grand, but it, if it's deeper and they got to mm-hmm. excavate, stop traffic, get a permit to remove the asphalt in the street, if it the closer to the tap, the more expensive that sewer is going to be. I've seen it up to $40,000. Real life story, new build, my neighbors, when I moved into my first house about seven years ago, new build said, hey, everything's good. Construction's good. We're good. About, what, eight months later? JC and I live in the same neighborhood too, yeah. so he knows about this. But- it was a thirty-five thousand dollar. I live in the same neighborhood. Sewer. Well, no, our first neighborhood. Oh, right. so, yeah, guys, I don't know. Thirty-five thousand dollar repair on a sewer line that almost took four months. Yeah, they had to rip up the whole driveway they because they didn't inspect the- it. And and new build, right? You think it's nothing's wrong with no, it, but right. guys, say brand new house. What goes? What does the HOA make you do within a few months? Landscape. Landscaping. Mm-hmm. They do. They put heavy machinery on it. Yep. It. It all of a sudden it has a valley, or it just compacts the soil. The sewer goes south. So definitely do a sewer. Yeah. A yep. sewer. Scope. Depending on the type of house, there's gonna be different type of. Uh, and I've had old 1900s houses, early 1900s, super clay clean. Yeah. And, we'll, and, and the cool yeah. thing is we have an awesome inspector we'll work with. Chris is amazing. And oh. He's gonna be here in like two Mr. Walters. Weeks. Yeah. Shout yeah. out Lionheart yeah. Inspections. Yeah, we use so them for everything. So he'll be here in about two weeks. We're gonna go through all this with him, yeah. and he'll walk you through the things he sees and how he like reports it. Maybe some fun horror stories. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, there's. I'm sure yeah, there's tons. Yeah. But the well, big, the biggest thing here is your home that you're buying is contingent upon you guys coming to an agreement on inspection items. Mm-hmm. Biggest thing, habitability, right? Yep. That's yeah. what so we're, we're looking we're, for. We're looking for again major health and safety issues, bigger ticket items. We're not looking for paint. We're not looking for carpet. We can't address those. We can. But it's not what we're looking for the inspection, right? No. Right. We should address those in our initial offer. Correct. And radon. So let, let's say we go through. Yeah, radon. radon's a big one in Colorado oh, specifically. Yep. We'll yep. Have a whole and that's a whole nother topic. But let's say we get to. Hold us accountable to the radon. The end yes. of the inspection. We're like, you know what? I really like the house. I still want to buy the house. But we want these items addressed. Great. So what we're going to do is we're going to send a form over to our sellers and be like, yo, we really want this house, but we want you to address item A, item B, item C, item D. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's called? it's called an inspection objection. Like we are objecting to these things in the house. And it's not, this is what we want you to do. This is what is not up to par to the, our buyer. Correct. Agreed. This is not functioning. This is not functioning. This is, So we allow them to give us what's called a resolution, inspection we, resolution. It's a, a negotiation upon the items we want. And the sellers really have four options when it comes to that. They're going to be like, okay, cool. We agree these things need to be addressed, mm-hmm. so we'll do it for you before closing. Fantastic. Awesome. Number, Best case scenario. Number two, yes, we agree, but we're not going to do it for you. We're going to give you a credit at closing that you can do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Number three, they can say, yes, we agree. We will lower the price of the home to address the items. Number four, they're going to be saying, hey, we don't think that's a big enough deal, and so we're not going to do anything. Yep. And, and that could be a combination, right? Yeah. They could say, look, you know what? Yes, the roof is shot. We knew it. We got an inspect, uh, insurance claim on it. We'll get that done. We'll get the furnace done, but we're not going to do A, B, and C, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, there, it's, there could be a combination of, of a few of those. We'll give you a credit. We'll fix these. But that's basically, like JC said, that's the, the, the seller are, will give us. We, it's a negotiation on how we want to handle it. Correct. What we found for most situations, the best solution is typically the credit. Mm-hmm. 
Because what we've learned is who's going to fix the, the home better. Right. The person coming in or the person leaving. The seller's going to give you the best price, right? Whatever, whoever gives them the best price, that's what they're going to go with. The, it's quality of work, yeah. quality of product. Least cost available up to them so they can get out the house and go to the next spot. Correct. They don't care. The they're not going to live in it again. anymore. Now, there's certain items, like if it says it's too reliant on the roof, like those need to be addressed because obviously it's going to affect lending. Yes. And um, as we get into the inspection side of things with Chris, we'll go more in depth on like land and. Yeah, we'll give you some ideas around what needs to be expected. Like septic tank septic is a big tank, issue. Wells. Wells. Yeah. Uh, roof certifications, which we touched on a little bit last week. Uh, we'll talk about foundations. Um, Different things like that that you guys can go in depth. Even so, topography of the land. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, right, during a real estate transaction, there's there's a couple points of negotiation. The first one's obviously the price for the offer. Mm -hmm. The second one is the inspection. Mm -hmm. And the third one is the... Assuming we get through, like, let's say we get through the inspection uh, items. Yep. Because let's say the seller's like, you know what? We can't come to terms. Cool. We can terminate the contract. Mm -hmm. we get your earnest money back. Get our earnest money back from title. And the only thing we're out is the cost of the inspection. Assuming we move forward, we're good with everything going on. And that's not a bad thing because if you spend, I'd rather you spend $600 than be stuck with the yeah. house that you're going to hate me that yep. you bought. Like 75% yep, of the people out there. Couldn't agree more. So then now we're good to go. We move on to the next little phase. And we're going to be very brief on this because it's so in-depth and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But we're going to get what's called a title commitment from uh, the title company we're using that tells if there's any encumbrances or any like liens on the home that we're not aware of that could potentially affect your ownership of the home long-term. Yeah, so basically just as a quick aside, the, the easiest way to explain this for an example standpoint is the title commitment is saying, if you take over the house and you purchase it and the title transfers to you, nobody's gonna come after you for any payments, right? That's that's really the biggest or ownership easiest of the land. Or ownership of the land. So right, if the there's example, mechanic I, liens or not. Yeah, my example would be if I, you know, the previous owner paid a contractor to finish a basement and then didn't actually complete the payments, that contractor could then put what's called a mechanics lien onto the house, which when the transfer title or the title transfers, that means now that the new owner, if it wasn't paid off previously and there's no title commitment or there's no title insurance, that new owner is now on the hook for whatever that amount is because it's already done. So we'll go into that. We're gonna have a title rep come in and explain kind of the ins and outs because that is, to me, one of the most behind the scenes processes that a lot of people don't understand. And most skipped over one. Most people even read or look at their no, title, title The title commitment is like it, 16 it has, pages. It has tons of stuff. It has judgments on the property. Yep. It has um, liens or leases. Back, uh, Bromley child, Park back, has back tons of support. leases with, with cores. That they, they have mineral rights. Um, they, they don't all, only do that. They also present all the legal documents. They, mm -hmm. pr they they provide a notary, and they also record everything with the county. You're talking about the title company. Yeah, title company, correct? Yep. Yes. Yeah. So and, it's a, it's a fugazi yeah. fugazi to me and to most buyers, honestly. And most what a title company yeah. does, and it's a very important part of the process. So we're gonna have somebody come on. Uh, in a couple of weeks and explain that. But basically, we just want to make sure somebody dressed like Oscar doesn't come after you for some money that you didn't know you owed, right? Yeah. Oh. Just saying. Yeah. Because uh, we know people. No, we know so people. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and the vast majority of the time, title commitment's clean. There's not a lot going on. So, you know, we'll move on to the next phase, yep. which is the appraisal. Oscar, do you want to walk us through a little bit of why the appraisal is so important and what they're looking for? The bank's only going to lend you what the house is worth. Okay, what does that mean? So if the house is worth 500000 mm -hmm. you are offered five fifty. Mm -hmm. The bank says, I'm only going to give you 500000 You got to come up with the rest of the money. Yep. So the appraisal consists of apples to apples. They're going to look for a house that's very similar to the one you're buying, what it's sold for. They go 90 days back typically, and this market's a little different. 
and they're going to say, okay, the house either appraises or it doesn't. If it prays for up uh, more than what we're under contract for, guess what? We look like rock stars. We're not yeah. going to tell the seller. Yeah. We just tell them, hey, it appraised. Got Let's deal. move on. Let's At go. value, no, no issue. If it doesn't, then we make that phone call and say, hey, Mr. Uh, seller's agent, guess what? The house is $40,000 below what you listed it at. We need to talk. Yep. What are at those options, Jameson? Well, and that goes that goes back to those three negotiation periods, right? So we add the the price initially, mm -hmm. what we offer, that's negotiable. From an inspection objection resolution, that's negotiable. The third part is the appraisal. So if the appraisal comes in and it's lower and we go back to the seller, we have a couple of different options. Hey, you know what? We offered at 600. The house is worth 540. There's a couple options. Our clients, if we're on the buyer side, can come up with the $60,000 and meet whatever the agreed upon purchase price was and we move forward we're good to go which, which that happened a lot in the which last happens, three years yep, right yep. because we, they want you, the house yeah if you bought a house you know what an appraisal gap is um that's going away now over these last couple months the second option is we negotiate the price down right and that could entail all the way down to the appraised value halfway down that's part of the negotiation the third part is <clears throat> if we can't negotiate a price down to where the actual appraisal is if it comes in under then we can walk away based on the appraisal deadline and you guys get to keep that earnest money. So it still protects you as a buyer to make buyer sure that you are not buying a home worth more than what the bank is willing to lend you. Obviously there's a couple of contingencies around if it's a cash offer or if you have a certain amount down, you can do appraisal waivers, which we'll get into with an appraiser to give you guys some insight as to how that process works. But essentially you have those three options. You either come up, they come down, you can negotiate where they come down or you guys walk away free and clear and you keep your earnest money. And I would say in most situations, especially in normal times when it's not like crazy, uh, nine times out of 10, the appraised value is what we're going to negotiate the price at. Mm -hmm. yep. Because now okay. we're like 21 days down the line when it comes to like from start of the contract to now. Mm -hmm. And now the seller would have to go back to market, hope to find somebody who's willing to bring cash to bridge the gap or potentially find uh, a buyer who could do a different type of loan. So like, for example, a VA loan or an FHA loan, the appraisal sticks with that property for six months. Right. So they would have to literally go find a conventional, conventional appraiser, cash, a conventional appraiser who's willing to see a different value than the other people did, Correct. which it's unlikely. Yep. So it typically behooves them to work with us. And that's what we found is in most cases, we move forward with the appraised value mm -hmm. or some like middle ground where the buyer brings a little bit of money if they really want the house. But either way, the cool thing is as a buyer, you're protected based on this contingency. And if you work with the right realtor, just as another side note, right guys, there's a reason we structure our offers the way we do. We, we're, we look at comps. We look at what things have sold for. So we and we work with appraisers, we understand valuations of properties. So when we submit offers, especially now when it's not, okay, it just has to be high as the yeah. best, right? And now if it's, well, we want an offer as close to the what we think the appraised value is, yeah. so that there's none of these hiccups. So working with an agent and a realtor that understands the market, whether it's locally, hyper-local, whatever it is, is super important because we try and get as close to the pin as possible or underneath. And if we get underneath because you know we have leverage, then great. You guys move in with equity and move on. But that's why it's important to make sure that that communication and that skill and care is exhibited every time that we write an offer. And, and it could go one or two way, right? You have to do your due diligence, come in and say, hey, I'm going to call this other agent because 
my CMA or uh, current market analysis says this house is, should be at five. They were listed at uh, 540 and call that agent and say, where'd you get your comps? Mm -hmm. I, they may see something that I don't. Okay, well, come back to my consumer or my buyer and say, hey, this is, this is why they did it because X, Y, and Z. Let's submit at that. But also know that you're also going to have to get an appraisal. If it doesn't appraise, we renegotiate. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, yep. and let's say it appraises. And we negotiate. We're good. We're Moving good. forward. What's the next fun step? The, the best part, actually. It is the so best part. <laughs> it can't, well, for um, a real estate agent, it's usually the best part because really that's the biggest hurdle. The, oh, yeah. The last big hurdle we have to clear. Yeah, we sweat for 21 to yeah. 25 days on appraisal. However, from the, from, the, from the buyer's standpoint, this is where it can get a little bit uh, annoying for you guys. Yeah. So base, typically, you know, how we write our contracts about 21 days, sometimes a sooner or sometimes a little later. But from now till closing, this is when the lender is going to harass you for your first, second, third, fourth born child. All up in your business. They're gonna to wanna to ask for the, the bank statement again. Why'd you spend 50 bucks on Del Taco? Why'd you go buy this? Why'd you go buy that? What we wanna make sure as a buyer that is you're not paying for large ticket items in and out of your account. So don't accept a lot of, a lot of money. Don't go furniture shopping. Don't do go, not do don't that, not yet. Car. Don't do it. Don't put anything on credit. Don't open credit. Don't close credit. Don't quit your job. Don't change your job. Don't deposit a ton. Don't withdraw a ton. And then mm. if you get stressed out because the lender's asking you for the bank statement for the 17th time or under why are you paying Apple and Amazon this much money? Call us. Call us. We're going to take you out to get a bourbon, yep. beer, a wine, we'll tequila, about it. whatever it may be. Whatever you guys want. Side note. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Because this is the last step. This is the last part, and it's really annoying. But the reason why they do this is because in 2008, when the mm -hmm. crash happened, they were not verifying anything. And they want to make sure that if you're going to buy this house, you can afford this house, you can live in this house for as long as you can possibly. And we want to make sure, right? The, the biggest part of that is you guys are buying a house, which is an asset, which we want to appreciate. So we don't want to put people in a position to buy a house and they have to foreclose because they can't actually afford it. Then home values go down and we end up in that same thing. The whole goal is from a financial and wealth standpoint, yeah. the easiest way to create wealth passively is to own a home. Correct. And that's why and, we and, make and sure you do that you understand that. Hardships, hard times. I am a short sale yep. specialist, shameless plug, and a foreclosure <laughs> specialist. But what I tell my clients is, I went on a side note. <laughs> if, if the lender is going to ask you for a ton Oscar of stuff. Oscar was so excited he just glitched <laughs> I did, I did. I glitched a little bit. Um, I tell my clients, keep everything electronically. Yep. Because there's different departments within the financial institution that are going to ask for the same thing maybe three times. And even, maybe four times. And guess what? Maybe five times. Keep them in an email. Yep. Keep them in electronic. Shoot it over. Don't get frustrated. It's just part of the process. Also, and as your agent, we could be your intimate. Yes. Right? Same, could. same with lender, right? If you have a question on what you, let's say you were like, hey, this happened to me. And again, very, very fast personal note. I had a client ran into something where he needed to pull emergency funds to fix something that happened to his car. Instead of pulling out of his checking account, he opened up a credit card and put the charge on the credit card, it almost messed up the entire file. So if you have a question during the process, ask your lender. Absolutely. And say, hey, well, and I'm agree, on the side of the road. And, and, I bent my and, rim. And, and, I need to call a tow truck. Be can I put it on a credit card? Be transparent with us. We're yes. here to help you. Like Our goal is to get you yes. to the finish. Ask, we will ask, troubleshoot ask. the hell out of it. We know? have heard the craziest stories. Yes. We, have, we, we have intimate knowledge of people. We will not judge. Nope. We want to get you to the finish line. Always ask if you guys have a question. Ask your lender. If they don't ask a answer, ask us. Or if you're embarrassed about anything, like we're Doesn't not going to so judge. Just, we're not gonna I've had judge. that happen. It almost, to the end. It almost scuttled goal. a first-time homebuyer deal because of that exact scenario. Always ask. 100%. Yep. So then now we're going through it. The cool thing is in Colorado, again, this is a little different across multiple. Actually, no, it's a lie. This is now a federal thing now. I think so, yeah. It. When it I first is. got in the business, like we would literally show up to closing. My, 
our clients didn't know what they had to bring to closing. They didn't know how much cash, what their interest rate was. The cool thing is the government put into place a three days mm-hmm. uh, minimum to receive what's called the closing disclosure. So the closing disclosure is going to show you exactly what your cash to close will be, how much money you bring to the table, mm-hmm. your interest rate, and your monthly payment. Yep. Back in the day, they used to do that on, well, they still do that on refinances. You get three-day resend. Yep. yep. If you don't like it. Well, and you get your earnest money back. Well, the cool thing, like, so now you get that closure, you have to sign it, and then after that, we can we can close. If that, for any reason, doesn't match or is close to what your estimate was in the very beginning. The good faith estimate, that's that's the document for the lender. Then you have the option to terminate the contract and still get your money right from the earnest money. Like, you're just out your inspection and potentially your, your uh, appraisal. Appraisal. But you are held accountable. They will pull a soft pull on your credit to make sure you didn't go buy a brand new car, all this furniture, and they will verify your employment. Yeah, don't quit your One job. One day to two days before closing. Again, don't quit, your job. don't quit your job. Don't open credit. Don't close credit. Don't withdraw a ton. Don't deposit a ton. Don't go buy Ferraris. But, but also understand that you have outs up to Correct. three days before closing. Yep. So you're really, when you're buying a house, the contract's really written to protect the buyer. Yes, in Colorado. And then there's walkthrough, right? Yeah. Well, then that's the next thing. So, like, we get through the closing disclosure, we sign it, everything looks good. We have typically we do it the day before or the day of closing, mm-hmm. where we will walk through the home to make sure number one, it's in the same condition we once first saw it in. Yep. So, like, you pulled a rug, there wasn't like a, a dog piss stain. They didn't pull all the cabinets out of the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or they, the they changed. Fridge that they said they I mean, I, I had a situation, a divorce situation, where um, wife was in the house, husband was not in the house. He went to get his stuff. His stuff entailed the washer, the dryer, and the fridge, although the contracts dictated that they were supposed to keep it. So basically, it makes sure, make, it makes sure that all the things we thought we were buying in the, in the, in the beginning, in the beginning, as well as the uh, condition of the home is still the same. Yep. And if there were any items that we were looking at during the inspection period mm-hmm. were addressed or fixed. Yep. So for example, if they said, hey, we're going to you know, fix this piece of the foundation, right? Which Colorado's got some foundation issues. Is it fixed? Yes or no? Benonite. 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 So once we walk through the house, everything looks great. Everything's good. We can move forward. If they're not correct or not addressed, then we step in, make sure we get that situated. Mm-hmm. We move we to handle the biz. We handle the biz. We handle the biz. The cool thing in Colorado, and this is different across the country, but we are a, a close of the table state. Mm-hmm. What that means is we'll show up to closing at title. Mm-hmm. It takes typically about an hour on a loan. This has got a good title rep. It's like 30 minutes. Depends, could be, depends oh yeah. on the loan. Could be 30 VAs, it, it, depending, more. if you have both parties there, it's going to yep. take about an hour. If yep. you have one party there, half hour. If you have just a seller, 15 minutes. Yep. Yeah. So then at that point, you sign all the documents. They're going to sign 100 times-ish. And on the buy side. Yeah. On the buy side. And once that's signed, sent over to the lender for approved and funding, you will literally fund, meaning the money will be sent from the lender to the seller. To the title company. They, yep. they, they distribute yes. all funds. Yeah, lender to the title, to the title, to whomever needs to get paid. Can I give a pro tip on that? Mm-hmm. So if, you're, if your realtor closes on a Friday. They'll do it. One, don't do it. Two, if you do. <laughs> or the last day of the month. Do it early yeah. in the morning because what people don't understand is the World Bank closes at three. Yes. And any in sort Colorado. of funds Five o'clock in, Colorado, coast, yeah. in Colorado. Mountain Standard Time. Mountain Standard Time Ooh. closes at three. The funds have to Wires. go through the World Bank. So- what that means is if you close at 2.30 and the funds don't go in through in Colorado Mountain Time till 4 p.m. on a Friday and you are not fully funded, the seller can tell you that you cannot take possession until Monday or because until they, the they didn't get the funds. 
So just pro tip, if you guys are scheduling closing and you're looking at your days and deadlines, don't do it at the end of the month. Also, please take days off. Don't like, do it in the afternoon. We, yeah. it's, it's an important asset. Right? It is. Yep. Take well, some time off. Like some, some, sometimes. Closing in sometimes. escrow is what you're talking yeah. about. Your funds are not going to come yeah. in until Monday. And guess what? Now you have a whole weekend that you have well, to wait. The, even crazier is sometimes. Well, imagine if off. you schedule movers. Yeah. Assuming that you're going to close on time. And the seller goes, well, I haven't got my funds yet. Well, so even, your even movers. Be, even before that. Like I've had people who like sign contracts who don't understand that like when you close, you have to be there to sign. Yeah. So they, they didn't take the day off for work. Yeah. So anyways, just our pro tip. As and pro you know tips. what? Typically, yeah. the sellers will be cool but about it, but logistically, so it, yeah. The cool they thing can is, say no. in Colorado, I had one that said no, yeah. and I had to move a client in by well, myself because they pay their moving company. Just again, pro tip. Beginning I had a of the lender, week, not at the end of the month. I had a lender put a client into a, a very swanky hotel and pay for all meals over the weekend and pay their movers because it was their mistake. Yeah. I had a client. And the seller told us fuck off, and that and that's the worst case scenario. Sand screwed. The cool, the, again, the cool thing about Colorado is we're a close the table state. Yep. So we will show up to closing. It takes about an hour on as long as we do our jobs the right way mm -hmm. and set you up for the proper expectations and plan accordingly. We'll sign, we record, meaning the county will dictate that the property has changed hands. Yep. And fun. Money has gone over, and you can take the keys that day. Done. And, and that's one of the main reasons we came out of the recession quicker. Yes. Immediate info. We, we move quickly. And, 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 the, and the great alternative thing is, is escrow states. The great thing is once we close, take typically 30 to 35 days, about a week later, we can have a barbecue at your house. I'll bring the bourbon. I'll bring myself. Yeah. And, and uh, an appetite. While, again, we threw a lot of information at you in a very like truncated time mm -hmm. period. I think that the cool thing with our process is nothing should be a surprise. So Oscar, go ahead and give us your review of the bourbon. Extremely easy drinking. Uh, I actually have this bottle at home. It's cheater. It, it, I had this bottle at home. Well, yeah, you know when it's good. I, I, I always say I'm a lousy collector because I just drink them because I say "cuz" a lot. That's bad. Because 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 it's a great drink. Um, no rocks. It is. It, it does leave a caramel ish finish after yep. you, you if you, you you've been drinking it it does if it does feel it's it's a little fuller body for me it does not burn uh -uh. while you're drinking it and if i had to rate it this one's gonna go upper echelon i'm giving it two rocks dang all right all right, all right. jameson <sighs> it's good man it, it's good it really is that would you make an old-fashioned out of it I already did. I make old fashions out of Typical. all of my bourbons. Typical. One, at least He's one. He's like, what'd you do What'd you do on Monday night? I'm not going to lie. At one point, we're going to have to just have Oscar make his old fashions. I make the best old yeah. fashions. Uh, no, I, I agree with Oscar, man. I think it's got a little bit of a burn in the beginning, but ton of vanilla notes. I can taste. They, they say it's a it's a, a long spice aftertaste, mm -hmm. which I like. Like, it doesn't burn, but it sits on the palate for a while, so you can enjoy and you can sip on it. Um, if I'm comparing it to everything else we've tasted, I think the best rating I gave was three rocks and I think it was the smoke wagon. Somebody check me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's where you it gave was. a two rock to the, I think the outlaw legend. Oh, it was outlaw. I, I might have to go one and a half cause this is better than outlaw. I think it's smoother. It's more complex. I can sip it really neat as we've been doing. If I put it in old fashioned, I think it would give, it would take away some of the sweetness of, you know, the simple syrup or whatever you use in an old fashioned, whether it's mushroom cherries. 
I, I love it. I, this is so far, this is my favorite. Yeah, I, I this is my favorite by far. Um, I would say this is a two rocker all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of other single barrels that get a lot more publicity, i.e. Uh, Blanton's. Yep. I would take this over a Blanton's. This- I think the the Irish like influence, I tasted a little bit spicier. You know what I mean? Like the aftertaste and the and the yeah and, yeah and the palate definitely hits. But again, like a Blanton's is a very much lower. I wouldn't say much. It's lower proof. Yeah yeah. yeah. So to have a high proof like this and drink it so easy, yeah. it's easy like sippable like this is insane. So- Doesn't surprise me. It won the best single barrel. No. Bourbon. Yeah. So. And the cool and the cool thing is this is an allocated bottle, meaning it's a little bit harder to find. Mm-hmm. However, it doesn't have the name, the recognition as yep. like some So you're not gonna spend tons of cash. No, on it's, it. a it's a $49 bottle. bottle. Great bottle for, for the price. $49 great bottle. Bottle. 49 yeah. bucks for this. Yeah. I would pay that all day, yeah. every day. Absolutely. Over yeah. uh four roses. Yeah. And a single barrel. I, I found I can't even remember where I found this one, but it was uh barreled four, five, twelve. Mm-hmm. So it's been sitting there. Ten years, baby. Yep. Well, a little bit over 10 yeah. years. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Now, JC, great pick. I, I love it. I love yeah. it. Yep. Good. I love it. Um, so what do you, like, out of curiosity, last week y'all did what? Uh, we, Sorry, I apologize. It was no, you're good. We weeks. did 80 Laws for Green. Okay, cool. Yeah. Which yeah. I local, told the story local bourbon. of JC and I doing the taste yeah. testing. That was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think I we did at, like three or four rocks on that one, I think. Yeah, it, it, it's a great bottle. Yeah. I, was, um, I was telling a story where a couple friends of mine, um, shout out to Leslie and Mike Penny. Great people. They better be listening to this podcast. Uh, I, I hope so. Uh, we were we were there for quite a bit one summer. We wore our cowboy hats, so it was known as uh, Oscar yeah. the Cowboy. Yeah, it was the, the foreground is good. I think the the complaint we had, uh-huh. not complaint, the critique, critique we had was it wasn't complex enough. It, it was very subtle and neutral yes. at this point. Well, this is where this I, is complex to me. This is where the difference between the legend and this. The yes, outlet, this is a bourbon. Yes, agreed. Mm-hmm. Yep. This has flavor. This has character. This has yes. you 10 have, years. You have of- three different stages. You have the burn. Yeah. Then you have the when it's on your palate. And then you have what's left yeah. afterwards. Whereas the 80 laws was kind of the same throughout the whole way. So I like this. I like the complexity of this mm-hmm. uh, much more than I did. This, the been, laws. Th- this has been pulling out that oak barrel for yes. 10 years. Mm-hmm. Right. It's and well, has a lot more in Rick's more in Rick's house in, in Rick's, Rick's house in Rick's house with all the weather and the temperature change. Yep, like it's just this is fantastic. Yeah, Anyways, love it. Highly recommend it. Go get it. Yeah, if you guys um, can find it, fantastic. Yes, great. Yep. It's a great pick. So then, uh, one rock takeaways. I'll make mine super simple. Go for it. If you're a consumer and you guys are working with an agent, transparency is key, and that is the entire purpose of our system. Is we want to be as transparent as possible and set as many expectations as possible so that the buying process, to me, is as enjoyable as possible. That's that's my rock takeaway. Dig it. Awesome. 100%. I mean, if I could write on that, I mean, transparency and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is key. And disclosure. Yep. Disclose, disclose, disclose. And make sure your agent knows what they're doing because there's tons of intricacies between the day one to day of closing so i want to add one thing real quick because oscar made a great great point right this is my second rock takeaway if you're working with an agent realtor whoever it is do not be afraid to ask questions uh i think that's a mistake a lot of people make they they assume that whoever they're working with we should be the most knowledgeable person in the room however like we talked about two different perspectives ask questions always 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 keep them accountable yep Yep. uh Biggest takeaway for me is the reason why this process was created was to eliminate heartache, headache, and confusion. Yep. 
And because of this process, we are able to get people under contract quicker than most agents mm -hmm. for a better price than most agents and close at a higher percentage than most agents. Beautiful. And beca like it. because of that, like that's why we did it. Yeah. So great. ultimately, again, if you have any questions about all that we're talking about, and if you have questions about appraisals, inspections, lending items and title stuff, please hit us up now because we're going to be uh, interviewing these folks over the next four weeks. Mm -hmm. And as always, if you want to connect with us regarding anything real estate related or bourbon related, um, how can I reach you, Oscar? Phone number 720-297-3823. One more time, 720-297-3823. And at Oscar the Realtor, Oscar at OscarTheRealtor.com. Jameson? 720-584-3361. Uh, and TheColoradoRealEstateGuy.com is the website. The Colorado Real Estate doc, sorry, the Colorado Real Estate Guy on TikTok and Instagram. But again, phone number 720-584-3361. If you guys want to email me, Jameson at Metro5280.com. If you want to connect with me, JC at Metro5280.com or 720-317-9437. Again, JC at Metro5280.com, 720-317-9437. And my updated socials, JC Ortega Realtor. Love it. Instagram, TikTok, all the fun stuff. Can't tell you how much we appreciate all the support and love. Cheers to another good day. Yep. Gentlemen, thank you for supporting us. Appreciate it, guys. I'm MD Charlie. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for an uncut and unfiltered version, subscribe to our YouTube channel.